Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. As you're being seated, open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Titus chapter 2. Paul is teaching us and encouraging us about the amazing grace of God as he finished chapter 2, as we've been studying, and we're coming to the end of chapter 2, and we're focusing in once again this morning on the amazing grace of God. Dr. Daniel L. Aiken, a Bible scholar, author, and seminary professor said this, no doctrine of Scripture is more precious than salvation, and no word is more crucial to the doctrine of salvation than the word grace. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor of God abundantly given to us in Jesus. Grace is the reality that we have received every spiritual blessing from God in Christ Jesus. We have God's power. We have God's provision. We have God's protection, his favor, forgiveness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and every other spiritual blessing is ours in Jesus. Jesus is God's grace in the flesh. As John told us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have observed his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law came through Moses, grace and truth was given through Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Reminds me of the old hymn, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. And so we're once again looking at this amazing truth, this doctrine, this blessing, this extension of God's favor to us, his grace. Two quick points about grace as we get started into this passage. Number one, God's grace is received by us. We receive God's grace by our response of faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We are forgiven by God in Jesus. We are right with God in Jesus. We have new life, abundant life, eternal life with God in Jesus. We don't deserve God's grace and we can't earn God's grace. We receive God's grace by faith in Jesus. The second point is vitally important for us as we look to today and this week, and that is God's grace is seen through us. God's grace is to be seen through us. We receive God's grace, but God's grace is also to be seen through us. God wants you and me. Listen now. God wants you and me. This is one of his first points on his assignments for us today and this week. God wants you and me to show his grace, his favor, his spiritual blessings, all those that we listed earlier, just a moment ago, all of his spiritual blessings, God wants to show us to show his grace to one another. 
We're family in Jesus. He wants us to show his grace to all those he places around us today in this week. But he also wants us to show his grace to ourselves. And at times, it's most difficult for us to show grace to ourselves. Luke wrote about and and told us about how the good news of the gospel spread from Jerusalem where it started, uh, as we see in the book of Acts, uh, throughout the world. It started and that spread happened in large part uh, in conjunction with persecution that uh, broke out against the church in Jerusalem. That persecution kind of started in earnest with the stoning of Stephen. And so as that started to happen in Jerusalem, as that first church was growing and exploding and persecution came against it, many of the Christ followers in Jerusalem were forced to leave. They had to leave Jerusalem. They had to leave their home, their family, their friends. They had to go because of the persecution. Some of them traveled as far as Antioch. And as they got to Antioch, these believers met up with other believers and they began to share the gospel and the grace of Jesus with those around them in Antioch, Jews and Gentiles. And so, as we know, it still happens today. As that was going on, God was at work in Antioch, and Jews and Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus. Jews and Gentiles were becoming part of the church in Antioch. News about what God was doing spread back to the church in Jerusalem, to the leaders of the church, the core leaders uh, in the church there in Jerusalem. And so what they did was they said, okay, Barnabas, we need you, brother, and we want you to go to Antioch. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And they said, Barnabas, we need you to go to Antioch and check out what's going on. See what's happening. And see if it's God who is really at work in Antioch. Because we're hearing things about Jews and Gentiles coming to faith and worshiping together. And then we need you to bring us a report back about what you find in Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, Luke summarized this situation and he said these words when Barnabas arrived and saw say that with me saw again out loud saw when Barnabas arrived note this and saw the grace of God he saw God's grace he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts Barnabas saw the grace of God in and through the people of God, his brothers and sisters in Christ, there in Antioch. And he was glad, he rejoiced, and then he encouraged them to remain faithful and devoted to God because God is the source of all grace. God wants his grace to be seen through us. Let's make that a little bit more personal. God wants his grace to be seen through you, and he wants his grace to be seen through me. Today and this week, he wants his grace to be seen through us. We who have been blessed by God's grace are to bless others with God's grace. 
And this happens as we, like the believers in Antioch, stay faithful and devoted to God because God is the source of all grace. And as we stay devoted to God, God fills us with his grace, reminds us of his grace, and empowers us to show his grace to all those that he places around us. And so we see here testimony in the word of God, but we see this also here testimony in us, the people of God, currently here today, even this morning. And that point is simply this, the grace of God at work in and through the people of God is a beautiful sight to behold. The grace of God at work in and through the people of God is a beautiful sight to behold. It was true in Antioch. It's true today right here in our midst. And so as Paul uh, continued in this passage, he identified the three stages of God's grace. The three stages. Let's look at these stages real quick. We're going to hone in on one in particular this morning. The first stage is salvation. Salvation is God's grace in the past. In verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Jesus at a point in our past. First stage of God's grace is salvation, where we receive that gift of grace by placing our faith in Jesus. A quick note, as I uh, communicated this morning, we have 58 of our family members, uh, most of those teenagers and uh, some godly adults that were willing to travel to New Mexico with a group of teenagers, and they are away at camp and got word last night, 58 of our family is there in New Mexico, and three students placed their faith in Jesus Christ last night. Amen. Amen. Two more students rededicated their lives to Christ, and two other students made the decision, we want to be obedient in baptism. And so we see salvation. This is the first stage of God's grace. It's how we receive that grace. It's how we begin to understand that grace. Salvation is God's grace to us in the past. Then the second stage is sanctification. That's God's grace to us in the present. As he continued in verse 12, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. And so we know sanctification is God's work of grace in us today by which he grows us in our faith in Jesus, makes us more like Jesus, and empowers us to live for Jesus. The grace of God instructs us negatively to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, to say no to sin. The grace of God instructs us positively to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, to say yes to the Savior, Jesus. We know this. You know this and I know this as followers of Jesus Christ. We live our best and best life today and forever in Jesus. We live our best and blessed life today and forever in Jesus. Jesus himself told us the thief Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly to the full, to the max. And so God's grace helps us to live the abundant life, the full life, life to the max that is ours in Jesus. And so we know as followers of Jesus Christ, salvation is God's grace to us in the past at that point in our past where he saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Sanctification is God's grace to us right now in the here and now in the present today, this week, as God continues to make us more and more like Jesus, as God continues to help us to be those vessels of his grace to those around us. Third stage is glorification. 
And that's in verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glorification is God's work of grace in us by which he gives us our new body in Jesus and we spend eternity with Jesus one day in glory. Glorification is the fulfillment of the promise Jesus made to us in John chapter 14 that he is going to come back for us and to take us so that we will be with him forever. Glorification, this amazing stage of God's grace in the future. Paul wrote about this. He wrote about this in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said he will transform our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. Amen? I mean, that's good news for all of us. He's going to transform the body of our humble condition, this tent of flesh, into the likeness of his glorious body by the power of that enables him to subject everything to himself. John agreed. John talked about this. And John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are his children. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Now watch this. John said, Dear friends, we are God's children now. We're in that stage of sanctification because we've received salvation. We're in that stage of sanctification. We are God's children now, and what we will be, glorification, has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we will be like him. Say that with me out loud. We will be like him. One more time. We will be like him. Is that not going to be awesome? Wow. Because we will see him as he is. God's grace, watch this, God's grace teaches and helps us to deny sin. God's grace teaches and helps us to live in a godly way today. God's grace teaches and helps us to wait for the return of Jesus. God's grace helps us to see what God has done in us. God's grace helps us to see what God is doing in us. And God's grace helps us to look to what God is going to do in us when he transforms our bodies. And when we become like Jesus and we see him, for who he is. This is exciting, exciting news for us this morning. This is amazing news as we focus in on this third stage. So we're going to look at verse 13. Let's continue to look at verse 13. Paul said, while we wait, and probably on our list of 10 most favorite words, I don't think wait's going to be at the top or middle or even end of those top 10. While we wait, here we go talking about wait again. Wait means to look. This word in the original language, wait, means to look. It means to stay ready. It means to watch expectantly. Wait also means to accept and receive favorably. So we know that wait here is in the present tense. So this is a daily, continual practice for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, which we know and understand we're going to need God's grace to help us with this because we don't like to wait. 
And so what he's sharing with us is waiting with the Lord and looking for the Lord. Waiting with Jesus and looking for the return of Jesus is part of the Christian life. Waiting is a part of the Christian life. We wait for God to answer our prayers. We wait for God to change us. We wait for God to grow us in our faith. We wait for God to change others. We wait for God to grow others in their faith. We wait for God to change our circumstances. We wait for God to fulfill his promises to us in his word. And we are all waiting for the return of Jesus. And so waiting and watching for the return of Jesus, what Paul is sharing here with us, waiting and watching for the return of Jesus, which is ahead of time, it's in the future, helps us to live godly lives today. Waiting and watching for the return of Jesus that we know is coming in the future helps us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts today and to live God's way. And so what Paul is saying here in this amazing passage is that we are looking for Jesus as we live for Jesus. We don't just stop each day. We wake up and all we do is just sit there and sit in our couch or our favorite chair or just stand in our room or outside and look up and say, okay, come on back. Come on back, Jesus. We look, present tense, as we're living for Jesus, meaning we are living each day with the understanding that today could be the day. It could be the day. This morning could be the morning. I might not get through this sermon before King Jesus decides to come back. How glorious would that be? How amazing would that be? I mean, we're, we're looking for Jesus as we live for Jesus. We are waiting for Jesus as we walk with Jesus. So we're continuing to walk, we're continuing to be obedient, we're continuing to be faithful as we are waiting with that knowledge, as we understand the day is approaching. We are living for Jesus, but I think we could all agree we are ready for the return of Jesus. We are ready for his return. We are ready to spend eternity with him. So Paul said here, while we wait, and he said, for the blessed hope. For the blessed hope. The blessed means happy. It means prosperous. It means sure. Hope means assurance, certainty, confidence, expectation. And so as followers of Jesus, we have the blessed assurance, the blessed certainty, the sure confidence, the blessed expectation, the blessed hope of our eternity with God in Christ Jesus. While we wait, each day we're living, we're continuing to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. And as we're wait, walking with Christ, we're waiting for his return. So as we are waiting while we wait for the blessed hope, we have this hope while we're walking, while we're waiting, while we're worshiping, while we're looking, while we're living for Jesus. We have this hope, and this hope is assurance, it's certainty, it's confidence, it's an expectation, it's a sure and blessed hope in the return of Jesus, in our eternity with God in Christ Jesus. This hope is not, and I hope this happens, but I'm not sure if it will happen, hope. This hope is, I know this is going to happen, hope. That's what he's talking about. As we wait for this blessed hope, this blessed hope is a hope without any doubts. 
You see, we are sure, we are certain, we are confident as followers of Jesus Christ of our eternity with God in heaven. I am certain and sure of my eternity with God in heaven because of God's grace that rescued me by my response of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you have that same blessed hope as well as a follower of Jesus Christ. This hope is ours. As writer Hebrew said, it's an anchor for our soul day by day. Paul actually talked about this hope at the very start of this letter to Titus. I'm sure you remember this from our study uh, a few months ago, uh, but let's look at Titus chapter one real quick. Look back at Titus chapter one, verse one and two. We see it right here. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope, say hope, in the hope of eternal life, there it is, in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. The promise of God to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, of our eternity with God in heaven, was planned by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit before time began. And our hope is a blessed hope. It's a sure hope because God is the one who promised us this hope of eternal life with him in glory in Christ Jesus. And God can't lie. And so it is guaranteed by God. And so this hope that Paul's sharing. And again, there's, there's persecution going on here with these believers. There's challenges going on in the lives of these believers. And he's encouraging them. While we wait, listen, as God is sanctifying you, as you're continuing to be instructed to say no to sin and yes to the Savior, understand and realize that you've got this hope, this blessed, sure, certain hope that is an anchor for your soul, that keeps you firmly planted in your faith in Christ Jesus, even when everything in life is going chaotically around you and when nothing seems to be working for you. You've got this hope, and this hope, it's a blessed hope. And it's sure, and it's certain, it's been promised by God, who cannot lie. So we know this future glorification is going to happen. And then he says, well, while we wait for this blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope, look at what he says there. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means Jesus is coming back for us. Say that with me out loud. Jesus is coming back for us. Again, Jesus is coming back for us. King Jesus is coming back for us. We don't know when he's coming back, but we know he's coming back. We know. And so our blessed hope, Paul just described it here to Titus and us. Our blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory here, and there's a lot Paul's sharing here. Let's look at this. Glory means a proper opinion. It means a proper estimate. Glory means all that God is. A proper opinion of all that God is. Glory means all of God's divine attributes. So what Paul here is doing in verse 13 is Paul reaffirmed the deity of Jesus. 
He reaffirmed the deity of Jesus. What Paul is saying is this. When Jesus returns, we will see God in all his glory. When Jesus returns, we will see God for who he is. Paul reaffirmed the deity of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. This is what Jesus declared all throughout the Gospels. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son. As Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. We believe in one God expressed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we know all the fullness of the glory of God and his greatness dwells in Christ Jesus. Paul here reaffirmed the deity of Jesus. It's like the words to the praise him. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. There is none more able. Christ our Savior, great and glorious. Jesus Christ is our great God and Savior. And so our blessed hope today, our blessed hope tomorrow, our blessed hope for this week, our blessed hope for the rest of this summer, our blessed hope for the rest of this year, our blessed hope day by day is the return of King Jesus. Jesus has already come once humbly in a manger. Jesus is coming again in glory, honor, and power. Therefore, Paul is saying, we are waiting we are watching and we are looking for the return of King Jesus as we continue living for Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, and growing in our faith in Jesus. We are waiting, watching, and looking for the return of King Jesus. King Jesus, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. King Jesus, the anointed Messiah. King Jesus, the name above all names. King Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. King Jesus, the substitute for our sins. King Jesus, the grace of God who appeared bringing salvation to all people. King Jesus, our blessed hope. King Jesus, our great God and Savior. Our blessed hope today is in the return, the sure, certain confidence we have, the hope that is ours in King Jesus and his return for us one day. This is what Paul is sharing with Titus and these elders and believers. He's saying we have been blessed by God's grace in the past that drew us into our faith in, in the family of God. We are now becoming more like our Savior by God's grace day by day. And as we're becoming more like our Savior, we have this hope that helps us to continue living for the Savior today because this hope reminds us that one day we're going to spend eternity with our Savior. We're going to spend eternity with King Jesus. That means this place is not our home. We're just passing through. We're passing through on to glory. And we know and understand that when we live for Jesus today and we have that mindset that this isn't all there is, that there's so much more to come, that Jesus is returning for us, it helps to motivate us today. And it helps us as Paul has been saying, to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, godly way in the present age. So what's our application? What is our application this morning? How do we put this verse 13 into practice in our lives? Let me pick up from the last Sunday. Uh, we'll continue our application from the last Sunday as we look and find the application in this verse 13 for us 
uh, today and this week. The first step is I must show up. You and I must show up. That means we must humble ourselves before God. As we've said, we live in God's strength, not ours. We live with God's wisdom, not ours. We live through God's ability, not ours. Uh, we're not living for our name, fame, and glory. We're living for God's name, fame, and glory. So we must show up. That means every day throughout the week. That means at different points in time in the day, in the evening, whenever we get that time, when we take that time with the Father, we show up, we spend time with Him, we humble ourselves before the Lord. We, we humble ourselves and we remind ourselves in doing so that He's in charge, not us. He's able, not me. I am weak. He is strong. And so we show up. We get in the Word. We, we spend time in prayer. Maybe it's when we're driving from place to place and we put some worship music on and we're just having our own personal concert in the car and we're praises to the Father in the car, whatever that may be, maybe it's fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters in Christ, showing up on a daily basis. That's the first step. Second is I must grow up. I must grow up. As we show up with God, we're able to grow up in our faith in God. As we show up with God, as we spend time in his word, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, in service, God grows us and matures us in our faith in Jesus. Listen, the more we get into this word, the more it gets into us. And the more we memorize this word and understand this word, the more the Holy Spirit uses this word to help us to minister God's grace to those around us. Remember, God wants his grace to be seen through us, and one of the greatest gifts of God's grace is his truth to us. And so that means God wants us to minister this word of grace. He wants it to go through us to those around us. Well, if we aren't in this word, if we don't know this word, if we don't understand this word, if we don't hide this word in our hearts, then we're not going to be as ready and as able as we would like to be to be ministers of this word of grace to those that God places around us. And so we know that we show up and we know then that we're able to grow up. The third step is live up. I must live up. And so we know God's grace helps us to live our lives upward for Jesus. Life is about him, not us. We're to bring glory to God. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're to do it all in a way that is glorifying to God, that points others to Jesus. And so God's grace helps us on a daily basis to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. God's grace convicts us and helps us to confess our sins, knowing that when we do turn away from God and sin against God, and we confess our sins, God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness, to restore us and to renew our faith and trust in him so that we can continue living uh, up for him day by day. But then the fourth step we see here in verse 13 is I must look up. You and I must look up. You and I must look up on a day-by-day basis. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We look up to Jesus, and we look up for the return of Jesus. God's grace helps us, teaches us, reminds us to look up to Jesus day-by-day. God's grace teaches us, helps us, reminds us to look up, be aware of the return of Jesus, that that could happen today, this week. And so we understand the return of Jesus helps us live for Jesus today. The return of Jesus in the future helps us live for Jesus today. The return of Jesus in the future helps us trust in Jesus today. The return of Jesus in the future helps us to persevere 
and our faith in Jesus today. The return of Jesus in the future helps us to endure the pain and the trials and the sufferings and the challenges that we deal with on a day-by-day basis. The return of Jesus helps us to endure those times as we live for Jesus today. As followers of Jesus, we are waiting. We are watching. We are looking. We are aware of the return of Jesus. And because of that, we're aware of God's grace in our past and our present, but we're also aware and sensitive to God's grace that is on the way for us in the future. And so we continue looking up. We continue waiting. We continue watching for King Jesus. So let's look at a few ways that we can wait. Number one, I want you to encourage you can take, jot these down real quick. Number one, we wait expectantly. We wait expectantly, as the psalmist said in Psalm 5 and verse 3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case and watch expectantly. We can watch expectantly with excitement for Jesus because we know he's coming back. We know it's going to happen. He's coming back for us. Second, we can watch and we can wait faithfully. Wait faithfully. As the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, and let us watch out for one another so that we may provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some in the habit are doing, but instead encouraging each other and all the more as we see the day, say the day, again, as we see the day approaching, the day here is the return of Jesus. We are able to stay faithful and devoted to the Lord by his power working us. Because we know the day, the return of Jesus, is getting closer with every passing day. The return of Jesus, you know this as well as I do, gets closer with every passing day. We're one day closer. We're one hour closer to the return of Jesus, to this blessed hope that is ours today and will be ours for eternity with God in glory. And so we wait expectantly. We wait faithfully. We wait joyfully. We wait joyfully. As Paul said in Romans 5 and verses 1 and 2, therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we rejoice each day in the hope that is ours, this blessed hope of the return of the glory of God, the return of our Lord and Savior, King Jesus. And so we wait expectantly. We know he's coming back. We wait faithfully. It could be any time, any day. And we wait joyfully. We rejoice in Jesus as we live for Jesus and as we look forward to the return of Jesus. And then we wait patiently. As James said in James 5 and verses 7 and 8, Therefore, brothers and sisters, wait patiently for the Lord's coming. See the farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth until the land is patient, until the land receives the early and late rains. You must also be patient. He said, you must also be patient. He said, strengthen your hearts. And he said, because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. We can wait patiently today because we know God's timing is perfect. 
God's timing is always right. He's never early. He's never late. He is always on time. So we can wait patiently because we know the return of Jesus is still to come. And we have the blessed hope of our eternity with God in heaven. By God's grace at work in our lives, through our response of faith in King Jesus, the hope of the return of Jesus is for those who know Jesus. Remember, the hope of the return of Jesus is for those who know Jesus. For those who don't know Jesus, there's not a lot of hope. For those who don't know Jesus yet, there actually is no hope. The hope of the return of Jesus, which we now understand means that eternity with Jesus is for those who know Jesus. And so for us this morning, as God's preparing us today for what he has for us today and this week, as we go to our congregations, as we go to the mission field, as God sends us out today to the congregations, to all those places around us, that he's wanting us to be his vessels of grace to those around us. He's wanting us once again fresh and new this morning. For those of us who have a relationship with God by his grace through faith in Jesus, for those who understand that salvation is God's grace at a point in the past, for those who have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus, for those of us, what God is wanting us to do once again here this morning is to renew our commitment, to renew our desire to wait and to watch and to look forward to the return of Jesus as we continue day by day, step by step, to live for Jesus. It could just be that God's going to put people around us in our congregation this week that are going through some very difficult, trying times. Some times that are testing the limits of their faith in the Lord, testing their desire to even go any further. And it may just be that God wants us to be his vessels of grace that's able to share with them a little bit, just a little bit, about this blessed hope that is ours in Jesus. The hope that we have and the return of Jesus and our eternity with God and all that that means for us because of our faith and trust in Jesus. But then secondarily, if you do not know Jesus yet, if you've yet to receive God's gift of grace by your faith in Jesus, then let me encourage you, receive Jesus today. Receive him this morning. Much like those three students did last night, take the opportunity that God has given to you now. He is extending his grace to you once again right here, right now. For those here in person, for those who are watching online, his grace is being extended right here, right now. You have another opportunity. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, by your response of faith in Jesus, today is the day of salvation for you right here, right now. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Let me ask all of those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you to begin praying now for those around you, for those you know. Begin praying for those you know specifically who have yet to trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord, that they would make that decision this day, this week. Begin praying and asking God to prepare you to be that vessel of God's grace to those he's going to place around you today, here in just a few moments and throughout this week. Listen, friend, if you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by your faith in Jesus, the Bible tells 
us and tells you that you are still spiritually dead in your sins. You're, you're physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. Because you see, that sin that is in your life separates you from God. And there's nothing you can do to get rid of that sin and get to God on your own. There's no amount of good works. There's no number of times you can go to church. There's no amount of money you can give that will enable you to erase that debt of sin and get to God on your own. The truth of the matter is, you, like all of us, at one point in time, need a Savior. You need someone who can take away your sin and bring you to God. And what we've been sharing is the gospel, is the good news that we can receive forgiveness of sins and we can enter into a relationship with God. There is someone who can take away our sin. There is someone who can bring us to God. We can receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace, his favor and blessings given to us. We didn't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But by his grace, through our response of faith in Jesus, See, God in his grace and love for us sent Jesus to this earth to do what we couldn't do, to live a perfect life, to take our place on the cross, to pay our price for sin. Jesus died, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, Jesus rose again. He's alive today, and he desires a relationship with you. He loves you. And Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he said, no one, which means no one, can come to God except through faith in him. Because Jesus is the only one who has ever lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, been buried and come back to life. He alone is able to take away our sin and bring us to God. We receive forgiveness of sin by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And we just simply respond to God's grace to us in Jesus by receiving Jesus into our lives be our Savior and Lord. It's real simple. You can do so this morning, right here, right now. These prayer partners are standing here at the front. They would love to introduce you to Jesus. They would also love to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you. Whatever need, care, concern you have, they would love to pray for you. It would be their great blessing and privilege this morning to pray for you or to introduce you to Jesus. It's what we do. We're family, and so we pray with one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. We bless one another. We're going to do that once again here in just a few moments. But listen, salvation can be yours this morning. Prayer does not save anyone. So I want to be clear. Prayer does not save anyone. God saves because God knows our hearts, and he saves us by his grace through our faith in Jesus. For God's taught us in his word that, that he asks us to cry out to him, to call out to him, to confess our sins, to believe in his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, and then to receive his gift of salvation, to, to ask Jesus to come in, take over and take charge and to save us. So you can do so by just saying something similar to this prayer right there in your own heart, and your own mind. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I need a savior. I know my sin separates me from you and God, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe Jesus took my place on the cross. I believe he lived a perfect life, and I believe he died on the cross in my place. I believe 
he shed his blood to provide me with forgiveness of sins. I believe he was buried in the tomb, and I believe on the third day he rose again, and he's alive today. And I believe he loves me, and God, I know that the only way I can get to you is through faith in Jesus, your son, my Savior. So God, I receive your gift of salvation. I confess my sins to you. I repent of living my way. And God, I turn to live your way by your power at work in me. Jesus, come into my life and take over and take charge from this point forward. Friend, if you prayed a prayer similar to that, based upon the truth of God's word, then you've become part of the family of God. And we want to rejoice and we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. If you made that decision online, then email us. Let us know so we can get in touch with you and encourage you. If you made that decision here, then in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song of praise. And folks are going to move and they're going to move and they're going to pray with one another, going to pray for one another, they're going to encourage folks. Our prayer partners are here. But if you made that decision to receive God's gift of salvation this morning, if you prayed to receive Jesus, I want to encourage you to make your way to me. I'll be sitting here at the front or some of these prayer partners and just come forward and just say, I just accepted Jesus. That's all you got to do. Just say, I just accepted Jesus. And we'd love to just give you a holy high five and celebrate with you and pray for you. This is God's time for us to respond in obedience to him. We're going to worship him through song and we're going to be those vessels of grace to one another. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.